0: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my Lit Yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking Daily Classes. Let's get moving. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Movement by Laura podcast which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns. So together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings everywhere. Today, I have my triplet brother, John Frank, on the podcast again. He is a regular contributor. He is an anatomy genius and movement specialist, and it's always fun to have him on here to talk about anything. I could literally just, I feel like I could just push a button and ask him about any part of the body, any part of history, any part of art, any part of quantum physics, and he knows the answer. He is literally like a walking encyclopedia, my own Google app here. So let's welcome John back today as we talk about the SI joint, otherwise known as the sacroiliac joint. Enjoy. Welcome back, John.
1: Hi, Laura. How are you, how are you doing? <laughs>
0: I'm good. I'm good. It's always funny to talk to you in here. Um, today, we have a really interesting topic uh, the sacroiliac joint, otherwise known in the PT world and other worlds as the SI joint. And what I found over the years is this is a mysterious area, um, kind of poorly understood by the population, I would say, at hand, an easily targeted area of complaints. People talk about their SI joint is painful, it's out of place, it's you know too mobile, blah, 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 blah. So what I want to talk about is um, I know you have worked with a lot of people. You are quite an expert on this area. And let's first talk about what is the sacroiliac joint for the people who have no idea where that is and what it, what is its function.
1: Um, so the sacroiliac joint is the joint between the ilium, the ilia, which is the main pelvic bone that you if you put your hands on your waist you will feel it, um, and um, uh, and the sacrum, which is the um, it's the bone between the coccyx, the tailbone, and the the lumbar spine. So, it's a in, in humans, is a is a triangle, a keystone shape, um, very wider at the top, more narrow at the bottom, and that's different from. Uh, let's say chimpanzees, gorillas, or such, um, for because we're bipedal. So that was an evolutionary adaption to make us uh, to make it more steady, uh, more stable as the forces transfer from the ground through the legs, through the spine. Um, so that's that's the that's kind of the basic description. I'm sure we'll talk about more as we go on. Uh, if you look at someone's back, you'll see two dimples and they're kind of in back, right below the belt line. Uh, for most people, that's the back of the SI joints.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And so the SI joint, when people just to say they have low back pain, um, often it is around the SI joint. And what have you found in your experience as a physical therapist and in the research that you have um, read? And um, what have you found is the actual, often the cause there? Is it the SI joint, something going on there? Is it actually low back pain? Well, I mean,
1: so the first 10 years of my career as uh, PT, I, at least I was, uh, I, I have been taught that it can be out of place. Um, and there's all these series of tests you do to see if it's upslip, downslips, rotated, all these terms. Um, uh, but uh my instructor at was- Washington University, Shirley Sarmon was way before her time as a lot of stuff. She said it doesn't move that much. Uh why would it move? You know, your body tends to move at the the least stiff area. So if you see a one pelvic bone is higher, let's say the right is higher than the left, uh, what's more likely likely that's an upslip or that you're Right lower lumbar spine is side bent. That's much more likely that the lower back has moved the joints in the low back, not the actually SI joint. So, I, you know, that was, there's kind of a controversy, but, uh, uh, recent research has really, um, has really, uh, kind of verified Shirley Sermon's view that SI joint does not move much, even with very flexible gymnasts who are young and actually completely. Um, becomes immobile for people usually against uh, gets, it gets more less and less mobile as we get older and when you're 40 50 it becomes very uh, almost no movement at all but it still has a function so anyway um, that's uh, the function changes a little bit as we get older um, initially it has a little movement and that can help dissipate some of the forces with, with with walking and running um, but it's mainly built for stability. Um, uh, interestingly, the sacrum, uh, which is, uh, ver- is the kind of the main body, the keystone part um, uh, between the tailbone and the lower back, it's very um, hollow, it's not very thick, and it acts sort of like the heel and the lumbar uh, and the end plates of the vertebrae as the bone kind of uh, moves in and out to absorb shock. So it acts as a, the bone actually acts as a shock absorber more than the movement of the SI joint. But anyway, that's...
0: That's so interesting. I was just kind of picturing a fish moving as you were saying that, you know, just this, but yeah, my understanding of the SI joint is that its primary role is to be one of shock absorption and of of weight transference, um, energy transference through weight bearing yes um so when you have somebody come in in the pt clinic and they said or even the doctor has said they have you know altered si joint that or si joint dysfunction what do you what do you attribute um like muscularity around the hips or lack thereof does that uh contribute to this discomfort or this feeling that something's wrong with the si joint
1: well there is a lot of um Um, structures, tendons, um, aponeurosis, which are broad kind of uh, sheet-like tendons, Mm -hmm. fascia, that connect there. Uh, You have um, uh, many ligaments, let's say the long dorsal spine, uh, the long uh, dorsal sacroiliac ligament you have some of the sacro tuberosus ligament you have uh, some of the interosseus ligament these are all strong ligaments that attach there you also have uh, the gluteus maximus the lumbo uh, the lumbo dorsal fascia you have multifidus all this muscles and tendons and connective tissue that that anchor there and it's been said it's been kind of shown that um the amount of uh forces that the uh for instance the erector spinae or muscles that run parallel to your um spine that go from the uh bottom ribs to that SI area that and it can it has so much force and strength that it can lift a car off the ground um the amount of forces that can go through that SI joint so i find that usually people who overuse their backs meaning they they have uh, they have very weak gluteal muscles and they tend to overuse their erector spinae, their spinal extensors to compensate for the lack of hip extension from the glutes. They tend to get a lot of forces around that SI area through that tendon aponeurosis, and that's or tendon uh, connection to the SI joint, and that tends to be the uh, I, I that's what I see um,
0: right so it's it's <clears throat> what John is saying is um, the, the SI joint is not like out of place or a problem itself it's that the, all the soft tissue around it the connective tissue aponeurosis is another name fancy word for fascia all these connections are pulling on the SI joint but if you're overusing your back to extend so if you can't extend your hip well then and you are working those back muscles and extending them the they' they're, they're so powerful and I've heard that analogy as well um, in that direction that that longitudinal direction, super powerful versus like if you came in laterally they would lose a lot of that um, kind of tensile strength of steel. but anyway, they're pulling on the SI joint. So for someone like that you would look at so let's just take this so say somebody specific because this this is what I say people say, oh I have SI joint, Problems for many years, and it sometimes is good, and sometimes is not. But it's really kicked in lately. I've been sitting a lot, and now my SI joint feels really wonky. And so, what would you say to that person that they need to um, investigate and perhaps um, work on in their movement patterns, in their posture, and all that that would help?
1: I would say if they were sitting a lot and had pain there, they might be hyperextending their lower back. <laughs> and so that could be adding to the all that tensile forces to the area through the um overactivation of the lumbar uh, extensor muscles. Um you know, I it, it, so that it's if they're rounded that might be something else. Uh it could be just um, even over stretching of some of those muscles, multifidus or it could be a discal just uh or it could you know, it, you would have to see. Right. Sometimes you don't, a lot of times with low back pain, we don't know exactly what the, the, the exact anatomical structure, but we know what forces, what postures. Uh, you try to see what kind of, how they're sitting, how they're like doing their resting posture, standing, sitting, how they're moving, or, you know, when they pick up, uh, when they tie their shoe. Uh, and you try to see what kind of forces and movement patterns and sometimes you don't even need to know exactly what's going on, even though you have you do have your suspicions and you have a hypothesis. But it's really you 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 minimize the dangerous or the damaging forces and movements through that area, um, and it doesn't really matter as far as a, a, a movement therapist is concerned, because usually uh, efficient, good movement patterns uh, will help whatever specific anatomical issue might be the painful structure. So, but um but the SI joint I again I find that I think people who usually have it tend to have very weak glutes, uh very kind of stiff overactor overactive uh low back muscles, lumbar erector spinae muscles and um so that's what I see the most. yeah, um,
0: yeah and the people that come into yoga and you know, there's a lot of literature in yoga that talks about the SI joint spends a lot of time on that. And what I would say, based on what, what, what I've seen and based on what you're saying is that if those people are coming in with these movement patterns already ingrained, and then they are working in ranges like doing a Cobra or even in a crescent lunge, let's say, and they're trying to extend, they're trying to really create axial extension, but probably because the back is so used to overly extending in a way um, or overly recruiting those extensors, they're really arching and punching, kind of punching that um, the SI joint area um, forward. In other words, kind of shortening, almost scrunching around it. So that would mean that those soft tissue structures are feeling the compression. It's not that the SI joint is necessarily getting damaged. It's more that... It's just that they've they're continuing to overly recruit them, and yoga isn't really helping it. It's only overemphasizing. Is that what you think?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, so uh, yeah. There's two parts. Again, there's a SI joints. There's the we call it diarthrothial joint, which is a synovial uh, joint, which is like, it, is, it has hyaline cartilage and synovial fluid. And that usually helps to reduce friction between the two surfaces of a joint, like the hip, let's say, or the knee or shoulder. Now, in the second decade of life, so over 10, the part that's that type of joint becomes a lot rougher. The surfaces of the uh of the sacrum and the ilium where it connects they become rougher they still have length highland cartilage but it becomes rougher um there becomes a ridge that forms between uh the two uh the two uh, bones of the joint so uh the first decade of life the joint can move in almost all three planes and accommodations of planes but after the second uh, after the first decade and, and starting with the second de- decade of life it just moves more forward and backwards and what we call the sagittal plane like if you bend your elbow and straighten your elbow that plane and then it becomes even uh, with puberty it becomes more and more stiff um, and um, and this is talking about the the more mobile part of the joint there's the interosseous, which is behind the synovial part of the joint. And that's already been more stiff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, by the time you're 40, 50, 60, it doesn't move much at all, or if, if anything. So, um,
0: so what are your thoughts about, like, um, if we know that, that it doesn't move much at all, is there a way that it could actually be, um, I, I don't want to use the word injured, but at least uh, damaged a little bit, if you're trying to force it to move,
1: well, if you uh, like, for instance, people who fall a long distance, let's say construction worker, and they kind of they land on their feet, that type of force could uh, theoretically, and that probably has kind of created an upslip with that ilium mm-hmm. moves upward compared to the sacrum. But that's that's a lot of forces, and they've done they've done you know, they've done uh, tests where they take cadavers. And they cut all the ligaments away except maybe one, the long dorsal ligament, which is, and, and they're trying to pull it, pull it apart, and they really can't because mm. there's something called form and force closure. The force, the form closure is just the shape of the keystone shape of the, the sacrum as it rests between the two ilia, um, and also the, uh, the really uh, rigid. Uh, Kind of uh, you, the surfaces are very, um, are very not smooth. They form dents and bumps that. Uh, um, I say it's
0: almost like a jigsaw puzzle. It is. But- and that,
1: the, so the coefficient of friction. Which means it doesn't. There's not a lot of sliding. It's like you know, you want your shoulder and hip to be like ice. You want no friction. You want to smoothly move on each other's two bones. This is not like uh, this is very. uh, There's not a lot of movement at all, and no movement eventually. Mm -hmm. So it takes a lot to really do that. So
0: um, I'm curious. The other like uh, primates. They so before we became bipedal. Um, was there? Is that a smoother area for them?
1: They, they have a uh, well. They have no. It doesn't. Move it. it doesn't move oh. at all. Actually. Oh, okay. So the uh, this the, the the part on this the, sa- the iliac joint in the, like say a chimpanzee is very very small. Um, so it's not there's not a lot of uh, um, cir- uh, uh, circumference to the area. I mean, it doesn't move at all. Uh, they're swinging through trees. It's a uh, The the sacrum itself is more like a rectangle, so it's not like a triangle. It's more like a rectangle, so um, it doesn't uh, you know it doesn't move at all. I mean, when it does in in humans, SI joint it kind of moves probably for the first thirty years of life. There's a small what we call mutation, counter mutation, the sacrum Um, as you as your heel hits the ground uh, when you're walking, uh, the sacrum rocks forward a little bit and it helps to absorb some of the uh shock uh but it's it's held together by a lot of ligaments that bite the hamstring helps to uh support um the joint too during that heel strike phase um and um it's um and then becomes you know it becomes stiff but the wider part Helps to disperse the forces. First of all, it helps to support the forces going through the spine. Unlike a chimpanzee uh, sacrum uh, that doesn't walk upright, there are a lot more vertical forces going from the um, going through that area. Um, so the keystone shape and the wider uh, part helps to dissipate some of the forces and stabilize is vertical forces. And the sacrum itself, it has very um, thin outer bone called cortical bone that has a lot of kind of sparse uh, what we call trabeculi or a cancellous bone, which is just kind of like cotton candy, a little bit. If you think about cotton candy, you see these bony whiffs going everywhere, uh, mm-hmm. and so that's good for absorbing impact. So the calcaneus, the heel bone, is like that, as well as the end plates of the vertebrae, which are the most important shock absorber in the spine—not the disc, but the end plates. They they kind of bulge those thin cortical bone bulges in and out to absorb shock. So. And that's why you get more sacral fractures and ilia, ilia uh, iliac fracture, because it's a thinner bone. Mm-hmm. Um, but the chimpanzee, I mean, so for, for them, is a different? It, it's a uh, it's really uh the, the it has changed a lot to go to accommodate walking on two legs. It becomes wider. Um, uh, the, the actually, the bottom uh, lumbar vertebrae becomes sacralized. So they used to be uh you know seven lumbar vertebrae the last two become part of the sacrum and that's why it's wider there um
0: because of the fusing a bit yeah. of
1: the fusing so um yeah so it's it's an it's an important joint uh, more the, the most it does help to kind of transfer forces through the leg, through the spine, um and it 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 kind of does it mainly by being stable, but there's some movement at least for the first few decades of life and the the bone itself the sacrum is helps to uh, absorb shock
0: now getting to the connective tissue because so say there's could there potentially be soreness in the connective tissue around the SI joint from like really kind of poor uh, mechanics so we know that the the glute, um, hamstrings, which we've talked about before, come and insert on the ischial tuberosity, and then there's there's connective tissue that's shared with that, the sacro-tuberous ligament, yeah. that also comes up into the sacrum. Like so, in theory, if you're really not that strong in your extension pattern with your hamstrings and your glutes, mm-hmm. and all those con- that connective tissue there's just not like strongly activated. Could that come up and pr- have its own kind of not not shearing, but just impact on the um, SI joint connective tissue surrounding it?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's. I would say it's more of a. Because um, it's, I mean, yeah. it's not going to move. I mean, they've done. Uh, no, I it, mean the stuff around it. Because I'm
0: thinking, like, you've got all this. You've got all this. Uh, you know, you've got yeah. your back extensors. And they share fascial stuff with the around the sacrum, and that shares fascial stuff around the, to the hamstrings and, and and glutes. So if like you're over, like I'm thinking, if people can imagine like overworking on the top end, uh, these sure. back sensors are yeah. overworking and tightening, and then the bottom part, the glutes and hamstrings, are like underworking and it, not. It, 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 and except, then in between, that yeah. stuff gets that stuff gets kind of pulled, even though it's not moving. That's why joint isn't moving, but the yeah, stuff yeah. around it is just feeling the effects of this imbalance pull sure. or imbalance I mean, th- th- workload. I, I, would say. Say,
1: I would say a lot of the pain around the SI joint is soft tissue. The ligaments, the fascia, the muscles, mm-hmm. there's, there's, uh, there's receptors, pain receptors and all of that tissue. There's proprioceptors, sensory receptors. So that's, yes, too much movement or too much force is going through there. Um, and it's not absorbed other places mm-hmm. it, it can definitely impact i mean the SI joints very pain in the area is fairly common yeah it's just not from uh the what, joint
0: moving it's like, a, yeah it's not yeah.
1: from the joint movement right and even yeah i mean even pregnant women who are hyper that's when they're most flexible even then it's really minimal movement relatively speaking um so we're talking about two degrees of rotation on either side Uh, and so very uh, little movement and it becomes less and less so
0: so um, generically speaking obviously we can't talk about everyone everybody's bodies is different but generically speaking if you are somebody that has had a lot of just years of dull low grade SI area um discomfort uh, my gut is always, and I think John's would be too, is to make sure that you're operating, living in mostly a neutral pelvis. And then within that, working collaboratively around the that central part of your body. So that means turning on and turning up the gluteal activity, um, working on the pelvic floor, the the energy up from the between the area of the atrial tuberosities and between the uh, tailbone, the coccyx, and the pubic bone, all this webbing there. There's a lot of connective, strong fascial connections there that contribute to this kind of up, upload up of energy from the floor. So that's where I often focus. And um, we always start our classes, for instance, working on this area at the very beginning because it is such a snooze land for so many people. I mean, I'm constantly surprised at how people's firing of this area in this area is so delayed yeah i mean that's is that what you would think is one of the bigger problems
1: yeah, yeah. it is for sure um see i mean so for instance most people i see with this SI joint or at least a lot of this pain and if you look at there someone's back you trace it around the belt line just below the belt line you see these two dimples that's the back of the joint a lot of them are older men who have a it, it doesn't move at all, this SI joint. So why do they have pain? Well, a lot of times, you know, if your center mass is a little bit forwards, um, let's say your shoulders are rounded and maybe your hips, front of your hips are tight, then your lower back muscles have to work overtime to keep your center mass From being displaced forward by gravity, and that's the overactivity of the lumbar erector spinae muscles. So, just
0: imagine. Oh, let me just let me interrupt. Just imagine this: Have you ever seen a kid who, like, there's a parent and there's like a little toddler, and they're about to run, you know, and the parent like grabs their jacket. (laughs) and is holding them from running forward. And they're like leaning and the parents like grabbing the jacket, right? So they're not going to run away from them. And there's, that's like the grabbing of the jacket. is like the the muscles grabbing you from this weight being displaced forward. Now you're not leaning forward like a kid is, but you're, what John is saying is you're off, you're off center. And so just imagine that that long jacket is all of your extensors, just kind of trying to hold your front body back in space. So anyway.
1: Yeah, that's a good analogy. That's exactly right. Um, so the delayed firing, if you put someone on their bat stomach and let's say you put a pillow underneath their hips or something mm-hmm. to give them, so they're not the end range of their, of their extension. And you ask them to lift their straight leg. I mean, often you'll find that the the hamstrings, the first thing that kicks on and maybe maybe the glute fires maybe it doesn't and then the lower back usually twists and a lot of times they'll push the opposite leg the front of their leg into the ground to kind of jack it up now you what you want to see without any and
0: why are they twisting why are they kind of they're trying to rotate the
1: they're they're trying to they're rotating to get their you know you told them to lift their leg their pattern is to use their lower back muscles mm-hmm. and their hamstrings, which is a common called cross pelvic pattern. But um, what you should find that without any type of uh, cueing, hopefully that they naturally just engage mostly their glutes to lift the leg, and that's the f- first because that's that's hip extension, and the the, the glute max um, has the best lever arm for hip extension. Um and um if you don't see that um how do
0: you help somebody retrain when they when they're they've been doing twenty plus years of um kicking in their hamstring and back before their glutes? How do you I I
1: really I I I have them put their hands on my glutes and see how I do it. Mm -hmm. I put my hands and dig into their glutes. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when you you dig in, it's a feedback as well as a facilitator, or contraction, you push into it. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the body actually uses that through fascial connections, that pushing to wake up muscle contractions and, and, Mm -hmm. and facilitate it. But um, uh, it, it's sometimes, uh, you know... Does uh, a
0: slight posterior tilt of the pelvis also help? I I
1: don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Because the hamstring, the, the the glute is not a huge posteriorly tilt of the pelvis. I would say it's more of an anti forward tilter of the pelvis Mm -hmm. the ham because of the lever arm it doesn't have it doesn't move the pelvis it it prevents it from moving tilting excessively forward from the low back uh, but it does not really strongly posteriorly tilt it it keeps it more neutral the hamstring unfortunately is a big posterior tilter of the pelvis so when you connect when you a lot of times you'll see that um, when you ask someone to Ex, like in the bottom of a squat, you ask them to extend their hips um, instead of like just keeping the uh, pelvis in neutral and just pushing through the feet into the floor uh, through glute max and with others uh, pushing down, they'll they'll tend to rotate their pelvis backwards bef- and they'll curl their pelvis as they come up. That is a poor... You're gonna kill yourself trying to lift something that's they're overused they're using their hamstring to do the, to that they can't. And so I would say is not is that an anti forward tilter. Mm-hmm. so it does prevent you from overarching the low back. but definitely one of the things you'll see not necessarily with the leg lift on your stomach, but you'll see it when someone's at the bottom of a squat and they try to go up. if they curl their pelvis backwards, uh, that's the note that shows me they, they have no idea how to use their glutes. They have no idea how to keep just a neutral pelvis. Mm-hmm. So, and you see that a lot with Pilates. I mean, uh, there's two styles of Pilates, but they tend to, you know, a lot of them tend to think that overly a, postural, a, postural postural really tail a, mm-hmm. is is the answer to prevent <laughs> back stability. That's a very unstable back, in fact. It yeah, it's does, like
0: overly lengthened. Yeah,
1: and, 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 and the spine mm. is very unstable in a flex position as far as the the one vertebrae sliding forward on the other. It's more stable in a neutral. Neutral. It's more is it's you know, the people who lift heavy weights, the power lifters, they really try to extend their lower back at the end because it's it's um it's harder. So that makes them more neutral. Um but they don't they often don't they don't crank on their low back. Mm-hmm. Um but um but yeah you definitely don't it, it's it kind of corrects the typical uh some people hyperextend their back and they get this joint compression in the lower uh lower lumbar or low back joints and they do the tilt and they lo and behold they have no more compressive pain in the joints, facet joints. But they have a whole host of problems, other problems. Right. So it's, they, they, they become, you know, your disc, your ligaments, your spinal instability and shearing, what we call, it, you know, forward movement uh, of one vertebrae on the other is, is, is horrible. So it's, you kind of, is, is, and this unfortunately is something they've been taught for a long time that you're supposed to, okay, round their spine or posteriorly tilted pelvis. You keep a neutral pelvis and, uh, neutral is the key.
0: Um, yeah, neutral is is where we want to live and move. So, wrapping up this, what are um what are some surprising facts or interesting features that you've um recently learned in your research about um, the SI joint that you didn't completely you kind of knew, but you're like pleased to know more about now.
1: Well, I, I guess you know. Uh, I, again, there was kind of like uh, I was trained at. Uh, by Shirley Sermon, or I wasn't trained personally, but she was the head of the program. And and she's brilliant. She's she amazing. Would, and she she was, you know, she's been saying, she was saying stuff 25 years ago that now research shows that she was mostly right on mm-hmm. most everything. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, but as soon as you finish, graduate, you kind of start taking courses. And I, I took a course in sacral SI mobilization and stuff like, and that was, That the view was like, oh, the SI can be can move, and that, and if it's out of place, it can cause pain, and so it's nice to know is, it's the the research lately in the last two or three years have really validated uh, the point that the SI joint doesn't move. It 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 kind of it's interesting how it does uh, change through the years Uh, as you get older, it becomes more and more stiff. Uh, so, the movement that initially is, is used to dissipate some of the forces, uh, like the, the sacrum kind of tilting forward and tilting back, it becomes uh, so it does absorb some of the shock and dissipate some of the shock. But, uh, you know, the, the, the body use, uses other areas of the body like the knee. Quadriceps and other areas to do dissipating, as well as the, the actual kind of bony formation. Of the sacrum is allows the outer uh, part of the sacrum to kind of bulge in and bulge out, much like the heel and the in plates of the uh, vertebrae to absorb some of the shock, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's what I, uh, so it, it's a you know, it's a it's a, it, it's a it's,
0: structural, it's, it's a structural, um feature that is center in our body and it's there supporting us. It's not working against us. It's not that has very little mobility, um, as John was saying. And so I think for yogis and for other movement people that are um thinking about, well, don't do this because it could not be great for the SI joint, think about more about like, well, what what is it around the area that you want to give more support to? So the SI joint is if we, if we take care of uh, this Connect the the muscles and the connections around that, um, and keep them firing well, and keep them um, supple and pliable and adaptable in the way we want to. Then, then the SI joint is going to n- never be an issue because its main issue is not to not to move, but just to transfer that force and to absorb some force. So I think more think more about what is the stuff around it that you could put more of your Energy and effort into um, strengthening, or um, I don't stretching is not the word I want to use because I feel like it's so overused. But keeping mobile, the hip. I think also like what we've talked about before: if we have our neutral pelvis, if we have good hip mobility, articular mobility in the joint, and then we have the structures around the pelvis um, strong and um, you, you know firing in the way they should be. I think that side joint will never be. In, yeah, and, in the and, literature again <laughs> and, and
1: almost anything I see I try to I, I, I tr- you try to identify the uh, poor movement patterns and postures and you try to clean them up Um and if you do that, whatever area is painful usually will get much better. So you still, and, and within that movement, there's, everyone's a little bit different. So there's variability, but there's principles, uh, that remain. And if you can change that, um, uh, you don't, you don't have to be so fixated on one, you know, what anatomical feature is painful. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's really about uh, a lot of it's just moving better and, uh, better, uh, Po- dynamic and static posture. So,
0: Okay, great. Well, thank yeah. you, John. Um, we're going to close off this talking about the sacroiliac joint and I'll give you one more little um, tidbit because next week I will have a podcast on the other joint that's similar to SI joint. So the SI joint, the sacroiliac joint is the area where the um, axial skeleton, which is your spine, ribs, pelvis, comes together with your um, appendicular skeleton which are your limbs so the lower body lower extremities meet up with the spine and the pelvis at the place of the SI joint next week i will talk about the other place where they meet up in the upper body called the sternoclavicular joint and what's what's really fun about that area um specific also to yoga I'll talk about in the next time so thank you John as always it's fun and make sure you write us if you have any questions for John at podcast at com. take a subscribe if you haven't already rate, review, take a screenshot and send it to podcast at com, and you will um, get sent a free class link so you can put all this into practice because we want you to move better and feel better for life thank you
1: okay thank you hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty litter.